The Philistines have captured the ark, not realizing that it also comes with divine judgment and plagues of tumors, mice, and death. It's 1 Samuel chapters 5 through 8 and Proverbs chapter 27, here on Commuter Bible. This is Commuter Bible, the audio Bible reading plan to match your weekly schedule. I'm your host, John Ross. When Israel went to battle against the Philistines, they assumed that they could bring out the Ark of the Covenant to the battlefield and that its presence would either oblige God to win the battle for them or that the object itself had some kind of mystical power. They were sorely mistaken and the Philistines promptly defeated them and captured the Ark. Assuming that their victory is a victory over Israel's God, the Philistines placed the Ark in Dagon's temple. Time and again, however, the Lord silently causes destruction, catastrophe, and misery for the Philistines wherever the Ark is taken, until finally they become so desperate they put it on a cart and send it back where it came from. 1 Samuel chapters 5-8 through eight. After the Philistines had captured the Ark of God, they took it from Ebenezer to Ashdod, brought it into the temple of Dagon, and placed it next to his statue. When the people of Ashdod got up early the next morning, there was Dagon fallen with his face to the ground before the Ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and returned him to his place. But when they got up early the next morning, there was Dagon fallen with his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. This time, Dagon's head and both of his hands were broken off and lying on the threshold. Only Dagon's torso remained. That is why, still today, the priests of Dagon and everyone who enters the temple of Dagon in Ashdod do not step on Dagon's threshold. The Lord's hand was heavy on the people of Ashdod, He terrified the people of Ashdod and its territory and afflicted them with tumors. When the people of Ashdod saw what was happening, they said, The Ark of Israel's God must not stay here with us, because his hand is strongly against us and our God Dagon. So they called all the Philistine rulers together and asked, What should we do with the Ark of Israel's God? The Ark of Israel's God should be moved to Gath, they replied. So they moved the Ark of Israel's God. After they had moved it, the Lord's hand was against the city of Gath, causing a great panic. He afflicted the people of the city, from the youngest to the oldest, with an outbreak of tumors. The people of Gath then sent the Ark of God to Ekron, but when it got there, the Ekronites cried out, They've moved the ark of Israel's God to us, to kill us and our people. The Ekronites called all the Philistine rulers together. They said, Send the ark of Israel's God away. Let it return to its place so it won't kill us and our people. For the fear of death pervaded the city. God's hand was oppressing them. Those who did not die were afflicted with tumors, and the outcry of the city went up to heaven. When the Ark of the Lord had been in Philistine territory for seven months, the Philistines summoned the priests and the diviners and pleaded, What should we do with the Ark of the Lord? 
Tell us how we can send it back to its place. They replied, If you send the ark of Israel's God away, do not send it without an offering. Send back a guilt offering to him, and you will be healed. Then the reason his hand hasn't been removed from you will be revealed. They asked, What guilt offering should we send back to him? And they answered, Five gold tumors and five gold mice, corresponding to the number of Philistine rulers, since there was one plague for both you and your rulers. Make images of your tumors and of your mice that are destroying the land. Give glory to Israel's God, and perhaps he will stop oppressing you, your gods, and your land. Why harden your hearts as the Egyptians and Pharaoh hardened theirs? When he afflicted them, didn't they send Israel away and Israel left? Now then, prepare one new cart and two milk cows that have never been yoked. Hitch the cows to the cart, but take their calves away and pin them up. Take the ark of the Lord, place it on the cart, and put the gold objects that you're sending him as a guilt offering in a box beside the ark. Send it off and let it go its way. Then watch. If it goes up the road to its homeland, toward Beth Shemesh, it is the Lord who has made this terrible trouble for us. However, if it doesn't, we will know that it was not his hand that punished us. It was just something that happened to us by chance. The men did this. They took two milk cows, hitched them to the cart, and confined their calves in the pen. Then they put the ark of the Lord on the cart, along with the box containing the gold mice and the images of their tumors. The cows went straight up the road to Beth Shemesh. They stayed on that one highway, lowing as they went. They never strayed to the right or to the left. The Philistine rulers were walking behind them to the territory of Beth Shemesh. The people of Beth Shemesh were harvesting wheat in the valley, and when they looked up and saw the ark, they were overjoyed to see it. The cart came to the field of Joshua of Beth Shemesh and stopped there near a large rock. The people of the city chopped up the cart and offered the cows as a burnt offering to the Lord. The Levites removed the ark of the Lord along with the box containing the gold objects and placed them on the large rock. That day the people of Beth Shemesh offered burnt offerings and made sacrifices to the Lord. When the five Philistine rulers observed this, they returned to Ekron that same day. As a guilt offering to the Lord, the Philistines had sent back one gold tumor for each city, Ashdod, Gaza, Ashkelon, Gath, and Ekron. The number of gold mice also corresponded to the number of Philistine cities of the five rulers, the fortified cities, and the outlying villages. The large rock on which the Ark of the Lord was placed is still in the field of Joshua of Beth Shemesh today. God struck down the people of Beth Shemesh 
because they looked inside the ark of the Lord. He struck down seventy persons. The people mourned because the Lord struck them with a great slaughter. The people of Beth Shemesh asked, Who is able to stand in the presence of the Lord, this holy God? To whom should the ark go from here? They sent messengers to the residents of Kiriath-Jerim, saying, The Philistines have returned the ark of the Lord. Come down and get it. So the people of Kiriath-Jerim came for the ark of the Lord and took it to Abinadab's house on the hill. They consecrated his son Eliezer to take care of it. Time went by until twenty years had passed since the ark had been taken to Kiriath-Jerim. Then the whole house of Israel longed for the Lord. Samuel told them, If you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, get rid of the foreign gods and the asterisks that are among you. Set your hearts on the Lord and worship only Him. Then He will rescue you from the Philistines. So the Israelites removed the Baals and the Ashtoreths and only worshipped the Lord. Samuel said, Gather all Israel at Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord on your behalf. When they gathered at Mizpah, they drew water and poured it out in the Lord's presence. They fasted that day, and there they confessed, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the Israelites at Mizpah. When the Philistines heard that the Israelites had gathered at Mizpah, their rulers marched up toward Israel. When the Israelites heard about it, they were afraid because of the Philistines. The Israelites said to Samuel, Don't stop crying out to the Lord our God for us, so that he will save us from the Philistines. Then Samuel took a young lamb and offered it as a burnt offering to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord on behalf of Israel, and the Lord answered him. Samuel was offering the burnt offering as the Philistines approached to fight against Israel. The Lord thundered loudly against the Philistines that day and threw them into such confusion that they were defeated by Israel. 
Then the men of Israel charged out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines, striking them down all the way to a place below beth Afterward, Samuel took a stone and set it upright between Mizpah and Shin. He named it Ebenezer, explaining, The Lord has helped us to this point. So the Philistines were subdued and did not invade Israel's territory again. The Lord's hand was against the Philistines all of Samuel's life. The cities from Ekron to Gath, which they had taken from Israel, were restored. Israel even rescued their surrounding territories from Philistine control. There was also peace between Israel and the Amorites. Samuel judged Israel throughout his life. Every year he would go on a circuit to Bethel, Gilgal, and Mizpah, and would judge Israel at all these locations. Then he would return to Ramah because his home was there. He judged Israel there, and he built an altar to the Lord there. When Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as judges over Israel. His firstborn son's name was Joel, and his second was Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. However, his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned toward dishonest prophet, took bribes, and perverted justice. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and went to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, Look, you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Therefore, appoint a king to judge us, the same as all the other nations have. When they said, Give us a king to judge us, Samuel considered their demand wrong, so he prayed to the Lord. But the Lord told him, Listen to the people and everything they say to you. They have not rejected you. They have rejected me as their king. They are doing the same thing to you that they have done to me. Since the day I brought them out of Egypt until this day, abandoning me and worshiping other gods. Listen to them, but solemnly warn them and tell them about the customary rights of the king who will reign over them. Samuel told all the Lord's words to the people who were asking him for a king. He said, These are the rights of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and put them to his use in his chariots, on his horses, or running in front of his chariots. He can appoint them for this use as commanders of thousands or commanders of fifties, to plow his ground and reap his harvest, or to make his weapons of war and the equipment for his chariots. He can take your daughters to become perfumers, cooks, and bakers. He can take your best fields, vineyards, and olive orchards and give them to his servants. He can take a tenth of your grain and your vineyards and give them to his officials and servants. He can take your male servants, your female servants, your best cattle, and your donkeys and use them for his work. He can take a tenth of your flocks, and you yourselves can become his servants. When that day comes, you will cry out because of the king you've chosen for yourselves. But the Lord won't answer you on that day. 
The people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said. We must have a king over us. Then we'll be like all the other nations. Our king will judge us, go out before us, and fight our battles. Samuel listened to all the people's words and then repeated them to the Lord. Listen to them, the Lord told Samuel. Appoint a king for them. Then Samuel told the men of Israel, Each of you, go back to your city. Proverbs chapter 27 Don't boast about tomorrow, for you don't know what a day might bring. Let another praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger, and not your own lips. A stone is heavy and sand a burden, but aggravation from a fool outweighs them both. Fury is cruel and anger a flood, but who can withstand jealousy? Better an open reprimand than concealed love. The wounds of a friend are trustworthy, but the kisses of an enemy are excessive. A person who is full tramples on a honeycomb, but to a hungry person, any bitter thing is sweet. Anyone wandering from his home is like a bird wandering from its nest. Oil and incense bring joy to the heart, and the sweetness of a friend is better than self-counsel. Don't abandon your friend or your father's friend, and don't go to your brother's house in your time of calamity. Better a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. Be wise, my son, and bring my heart joy, so that I can answer anyone who taunts me. A sensible person sees danger and takes cover. The inexperienced keep going And are punished. Take his garment, for he has put up security for a stranger. Get collateral if it is for foreigners. If one blesses his neighbor with a loud voice early in the morning, it will be counted as a curse to him. An endless dripping on a rainy day and a nagging wife are alike. The one who controls her controls the wind and grasps oil with his right hand. Iron sharpens iron, and one person sharpens another. Whoever tends a fig tree will eat its fruit, and whoever looks after his master will be honored. As water reflects the face, so the heart reflects the person. Sheol and Abaddon are never satisfied, and People's eyes are never satisfied. As a crucible refines silver and a smelter refines gold, so a person should refine his praise. Though you grind a fool in a mortar with a pestle along with grain, you will not separate his foolishness from him. Know well the condition of your flock and pay attention to your herds. For wealth is not forever, 
Not even a crown lasts for all time. When hay is removed and new growth appears, and the grain from the hills is gathered in, lambs will provide your clothing and goats the price of a field. There will be enough goat's milk for your food, food for your household, and nourishment for your female servants. There are lots of ways that you can support this podcast, and one of them is simply to write a review. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be profound. Just a few sentences that lets other people know how this podcast works for you. Now, if you're using Apple Podcasts, which is our largest audience, just open the app, click Library at the bottom of the screen, tap on Commuter Bible, then scroll down just a little bit. Then you'll see a few stars. That's where you can write a review, and thanks for doing that. Today's episode was narrated and orchestrated by me, John Ross, and co-produced by Bobby Brown, Caitlin Pridgen, Eric Williamson, and the Christian Standard Bible. Thanks for listening, and remember, happy is the one whose delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. Day and night.